Hello everyone, my name is Anasul Sabag and this is something about everything. I know I have been away for a while and I haven't released any episodes in almost two months. I have been going through a pretty rough writer's block, mostly due to the fact that I have been busy and uninspired by my surroundings. Anyway, I'm back and I'm back with something good, I hope. Today I wanted to ask and maybe answer the following question. Should we always embrace new technology? This question crossed my mind as I was reading an amazing book called Why Nations Fail. I will try to discuss the book in detail in the coming episodes, but I will focus on this topic for this episode. Throughout history, we see that adoption of technology leads to a phenomenon called creative destruction wherein the new technology sends waves through society and disturbs the existing balance. This turbulence directly reflects on the political and economic institutions within society, usually with the economic change occurring first, because the person or group that brings forth a new technology quickly gain wealth, which in turn leads to them gaining a status in society. This status can then be used to change how the society functions politically in order for that said inventor or a group of inventors to benefit the most out of their business. Of course, it's a bit more complicated than this, but I'm trying to give you the gist of the process. Societies, or more accurately, the elite or decision makers of society can then choose to accept or reject the new technology. History has shown us that this is the turning point or critical juncture in defining whether that said society will prosper or fall behind. Because societies mostly reject technology out of fear of creative destruction that it comes with. The people in power don't want this technology because it can lead to one of two things. One, it can wipe out a job that is predominantly done by the working class, which will lead to unemployment, resentment, and unrest, which might topple the people in power. The second reason is that it can bring to power a wave of newly wealthy people who can in turn challenge the existing political and economic elites. To give you an example of how societies can fall behind at a critical juncture because of their fear of or resistance to change, we will have to take a step back in time. It's 1439 in the city of Mainz, Germany. A man named Johannes Gutenberg was changing the course of history. Unbeknown to him, of course, he was working on his invention of the printing press. The invention was so profound because to that date, books had to be either hand-copied by scribes or block-printed, with these blocks made specifically out of wood, like they had to be cut out. These processes are both tedious and expensive, thus making books a luxury that only the wealthy can enjoy. This in turn made literacy and education present only in elites of society. The printing press changed all of this. Everyone had access to books. By 1460, there was a printing press in Strasbourg, France. By the late 1460s, printing presses were set up in many cities in Italy, and in 1476 in London, and 1473 in Budapest. You get the picture. It was spreading everywhere in Europe. And if you're wondering, what about the rest of the world? What's happening there? Well, sadly, we can see a completely different trajectory in other parts of the world. Let's take a look at the Ottoman Empire. The Ottoman Empire was at its peak during this period. It controlled areas from as far south as modern-day Yemen to as far north as modern-day Hungary. 
This means that countries like Iraq, Egypt, Syria, Libya, Algeria, Saudi Arabia, Ukraine, Romania, and Bulgaria were all parts of the Ottoman Empire. So how did the Ottoman Empire react to this technology? Again, sadly, in 1485, Sultan Bayezid forbade the use of the printing press. And this decree was followed by his successor, Sultan Selim I. It wasn't until almost 300 years later that Sultan Ahmed III allowed the printing press in Ottoman lands. Even this great leap forward came with suffocating restrictions. Printing press rights were only given to one person who was probably in close ties with the elite. And second, each printed book had to be reviewed by a panel of judges and scholars. By 1797, the family that had the license to print books only printed a handful of books. The situation was even worse in the peripherals of the Ottoman Empire. For example, the printing press was only set up in Egypt in 1798. Now, let's take a look at the consequences of this resistance to new technology. In the 1800s, the literacy rates in the Ottoman Empire were close to 3%, whereas it was almost 60% for men and 40% for women in England, and it was close to that in other parts of Europe. So, why did the Ottoman rulers make this decision? There are several reasons, but I'll just highlight two. The first is that books inspire. Books inspire ideas, and a literate population is much harder to control than an illiterate one. The second reason is that books would have challenged the status quo, where only the sultans and elite scholars had knowledge and education. Now, I leave it up to you to decide whether the decline of the Ottoman Empire that started in the mid-1500s was a coincidence or a direct result of the lack of education and the innovation that came from the resistance to the printing press. Also, while you are thinking about this, I want you to compare the prosperity of modern-day Western Europe to that of modern-day's Middle East, previously controlled by the Ottoman Empire. So, does the example I just gave mean that adoption of technology is always a good thing? Not necessarily. Sometimes, the elites of a community or society might adopt a new technology merely to further expand their wealth and power. Let's take another step back in history. In the early 1500s, Congo, the West African kingdom, came into contact with the Portuguese. The Portuguese introduced them to the wheel and the plow, and they even encouraged the Congolese to adopt these and other agricultural techniques during their missions. The king of Congo at that time, Nzinga Anokuwu, I'm sorry if I butchered that, was ready to adopt Portuguese technology. But because this is not a happy story, he did not adopt the useful and industrious inventions such as the wheel and the plow. He rather quickly adopted the gun. Because why give your people technology that will make them more productive and efficient when you can use guns to forcefully enslave them and get into the lucrative business of slave trade? And a modern example of how technology can be used to exploit people or violate their rights is facial recognition and its use in China. The Chinese government is essentially using facial recognition technology to monitor their people's everyday movements and everyday actions. And they go to the extent of even uh, publicly shaming people who do things that are wrong. For example, if you jaywalk, they will project your face and your personal information on screens for the public to look at. 
And they're also using facial recognition to monitor the Uyghur Muslim minority uh, that they have in concentration camps. So this is another example, a more modern one, of how technology can be used to exploit people and to violate their rights. This brings me to my question. Should we embrace new technology with open arms? Technology like robotic automation, artificial intelligence, and self-driving automobiles. If you think the answer is too obvious and we should simply embrace new technology because it might bring up a new class of wealthy people who might challenge the currently existing exploitative capitalistic status quo, there is one thing you might be missing. Unlike in the past where technology can be developed by people who are not highly educated, such as Thomas Edison, for example, modern-day technology is much more complicated. It requires a lot of highly educated innovators and workers, which means that this time technology might not be bringing new people into the market. Rather, it will be helping the Musks, the Zuckerbergs, and the Bezos of the world become even more wealthy and powerful by cutting out their labor costs. Remember, this is just me playing the devil's advocate here. I'm not saying we should resist all technology because, well, the Ottoman example. I just want us to thoroughly think about our options here. This brings me to the end of my episode. I hope you found it as thought-provoking as I did. And I would love to hear your arguments and answers to the question, should we embrace new technology? Before I end this episode, I just want to say two things. First, I would love to welcome all the Something About Everything new listeners. I see people in Texas, New Jersey, Colorado. Here in Canada, we have people from British Columbia, Ontario, and Quebec. And all the way in Australia and India, people in Australia from Victoria, Queensland, South Wales, and people in India. I don't have the exact cities, but yeah, it's really exciting to have listeners from all over. Please share these episodes with your friends and family and let us know what you think on the Facebook group. Uh, The second thing I want to mention is that we started a new publication on Medium for Something About Everything. And we are going to be covering blogs that cover some of the topics that we address in the podcast, but other blogs as well. And I would like to invite you all to participate and write your own blogs and articles So just get in touch with us on the Facebook group and you can become one of the writers on the publication if you have anything interesting to share or such. And yeah, looking forward to hearing from you guys.